Hello, everyone. Welcome to Knights of the Geek Republic podcast. A very different look for you on this fine Christmas evening. Uh, I'm the great talent. Hi, everyone. I'm John J. Revan. All right. We're, we're showing you our faces for the first time. Hopefully, this will this will be the first of many times you get to see our ugly mugs. So <laughs> we hope you're all doing good out there. Yeah. Put a, put a, put a face to the voice, you know. Right, yeah, definitely, and we're gonna do different things. We're we're gonna put this uh, on YouTube on our channel as well as do the podcast. So all the all the podcasts, uh, you know, all the stations out there. So we hope you know whether you're a YouTuber or a podcaster, you'll be able to enjoy our uh, work. You know, on any platform you you choose. So Absolutely. definitely, uh, uh, yeah, man. I just want to wish you uh, wish you and your family Merry Christmas first and foremost. Yeah, you too, man. Merry Christmas. Uh, hope uh, Santa was good to everybody. You know. <laughs> In Santa, the house. Santa, Santa was good, man. I got a shitload of clothes this Christmas, but you know what, man? We're at that stage in life, man, where it's like, I don't even like during the year. I don't even go clothes shopping because yeah. I'm just anticipating just, for the Christmas. Just like, wait you for know that Christ- dude. Christmas that's me. Just- I got a bunch of thermal socks. My mother bought me an electric blanket, which I have sitting on the couch. And I don't know if you've ever had an electric blanket, but oh my god, it's amazing. <laughs> Sounds amazing, especially dude. on cold winter nights. I was before we started. I, I was I was wrapped up playing Halo, and I'm like, oh, this feels this feels amazing. <laughs> you, you know, you're at that that next stage of life when like you're getting socks, and you're just like, yes, I got some socks. You know, like, dude, you know, I, right. I'm wearing that shit right now. The thermals, man, they feel nice and toasty, and especially this time of year, it's uh, it's very, it's very fun to um, get that it, shit. In our younger years, it was like clothes. Like, nah, don't get me that. You gotta. I wanted that. that new Sega game, ma. Yeah, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Giving me a sweater? Like, oh. I, I remember one like, time, dude. I was like seven years old, and I was a little brat, dude. I was a spoiled brat. I, my mother got me some clothing, like you said, on Christmas morning instead of the Sonic game, Sonic the Hedgehog game. I wanted. Now it's like I threw a fit. I'm like, I don't want this. I want my Sonic game. She's like, but they were sold out. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So those were the but, old days, yeah. Yeah, no. So um, we have we're, the bulk of this podcast, folks, is going to be centering around the Matrix. We're going to break it down like we did Spider-Man: No Way Home. But first and foremost, before we do that, um, I just want we'll talk about a couple of other things. Um, so I watched today with my mother on Christmas Day. We watched that Lucy and Ricky, like I Love Lucy movie, called Being the Ricardos. And I think you've seen that previously, right, Jay? Yeah, I, uh, I did not wait. I know it came out on the uh, Amazon Prime stream just like a few days ago, and I ended up seeing it uh, when it was in the movie theaters before it released on the stream. I saw it with my fiance. We were just, you know, looking for a date night, so I was like, all right, let's just go see Being, uh, being the Ricardos, and uh, I liked it, man. I got to be honest. I mean, yeah. I'm a little biased. I mean, I grew up as a small, as a kid. I was a fucking huge I Love Lucy fan. I, yeah, I, I was too. <laughs> I, was, I was a huge I Love Lucy fan. So I'm a little biased. I mean, if you, if you never watch I Love Lucy, you're not gonna probably like the movie. Yeah. Um, but if you if you grew up as a big I Love Lucy fan like uh, ourselves, um, there's something to enjoy about the movie. You know, you kind of like learn a little bit about. Um, Lucille Ball, her character, how she was, how she was like this bossy lady. Um, she oh, was yeah. very detail oriented <laughs> on her work. Um, she, she was a straight up bitch, folks. <laughs> there's no sugarcoating that. She, I mean, there's no, there's, there's no sugarcoating it, but she did have some. As much as she was a bitch, she was like very. Um, what's the word I want to say? There, there was some, there was some some sort of grace to her too. At the same time, yeah, she was headstrong. She it's the thing was, folks. She knew what she wanted. She knew how to get there. She wanted to like keep things as they were. She wanted to keep her position. She she worked fucking super hard to get there, and she was a perfectionist. She, she was, was a super she was a perfectionist. perfectionist. Yep. 
And any yes. little thing that was wrong, she had to like tweak and make it better. Even it pissed off all everybody around her, but she had to have it just right. Yeah, so. she was a major perfectionist, but um, that was cool. You know, it was cool seeing that inside. I, I never knew how much of a creative person Desi Arnaz was, how oh, much yeah. he was involved in the show. Like he was basically all the jokes that you see in the show. It almost came from him. Pretty yeah, much. no, he he did a lot of stuff. He even he produced the show. He did a lot of a uh, lot of writing parts of the show. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff, the musical and, uh, sections, all him. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot of stuff, and it, it was what's good about this movie. I mean, even though at, at the end it portrays him as a fucking as an asshole what he did at the end but yeah um what the movie did do was kind of like give him back some credit you know what i mean i feel like when you see the title i love lucy you think it's all about lucy but when you watch this movie you see like man desi arnaz was was a big big part of that whole yeah. creative process and then they broke it down that one scene where he's like the producer was like you know talking to desi arnaz he's like i love lucy you are the i and i love lucy like you're the one who loves her it's like it's like a play on that and then and he kind of took it as patronizing him but i, I kind of understood what he meant by that i'm like yeah it's, and he's like you are like the top billing like you are producing this you're getting top tier and because i think lucille ball wanted that because she felt like desi arnaz was being like like um dwarfed by her success because you remember that part in the club man when they went to his club where he was playing he was doing his uh, orchestra shit and the, like club bob blue or whatever like she was like she she visited him and they were all swarming her like autographs and everything and he felt a little bit like dwarfed by her presence so she felt like oh he's he's being threatened by me a little bit so maybe maybe that's why he he was a little bit of an asshole a little bit like toward the end of the movie i mean not saying i'm condoning his actions but you know it's maybe that's what pushed him over the edge you know? yeah i i believe so man i, I believe uh yeah he, he kind of needed that that little r and r in the sense but yeah. um yeah, I mean, aside from that, though, I, I, I got to say, man, J.K. Simmons, dude, that's Fred Burns. I mean, I oh, tell you, man, yeah. he, like, I'm watching the movie, and I'm like, God damn, he he, like, he sounds like Fred Mertz. Like, he's he embodies Fred Mertz to the T. Like, you, it, it was almost like a split image of, of Fred Mertz in a way. Yeah, like, it was. The a, way he spoke and everything. One for one, dude, one for one. Like, and the same thing right down to his drinking habits and everything. The way he hit him and Vivian Vance, like, Ethel. They hated each other, and that was a fact. They never liked each other at yeah. all. They hated each other, despised each other. Yeah, and it was. It was. Yeah, it, it was, was very. Yeah, cool. it was interesting seeing those things. Like you know, because these are things you don't know. Like I didn't know Bill Frawley was played by J.K. Simmons. I didn't know in in real life like that character Bill Frawley was a mentor to Lucille Ball. That, I found that yeah. to be very interesting. That, that was cool. That's why she looked at him as like a far, father figure almost like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, like you're teaching and teacher and a father figure, which was kind of mm -hmm. cool. That um, was very cool. And I, I didn't like, I kind of understood why like Vivian Vance as like Ethel's character was felt a little threatened by uh, Lucy a little bit because she was always second fiddle. And then that part where she was losing a lot of weight or whatever, like Lucy was trying to fatten her up, and I was mm -hmm. like, "Oh, that's fucked up," because you, you know she can't be more attractive than Lucy because it'll take the, the, especially since Lucy was pregnant in the, you know how the series played out. Yeah, it was like you know it revolved around that. The story was like you know she had a, a thing in her past about her being a communist, and then she the other half of it was like, "Is Desi Arnaz cheating on her?" And then the other half was like, "Oh, um, yeah, she's having a baby in real life. How are they going to play this into the show?" So I'm like, that was kind of interesting. Those three factors had a, I just, I do, I want to see now a sequel to this. I want to see the part, not a sequel, but I want to see like some type of like continuity where it was like, well, they kind of wrapped it at the end where they said, oh, you know, Lucy and Desi got divorced in 1960. But there were other movies, I think from like on like Lifetime or whatever about Lila Lucy or how like that showcased the way his habits were, his cheating and all that shit that kind of drove them apart. 
Mm -hmm. And this was only in the prenatal stages, though, dude. This was like in the early fifties, so that was like right when this shit was like beginning. So I found I found it I didn't know that you know Lucy was a, a big supporter of the Communist Party too. I, I found yeah. it to be rather interesting because her husband, being that he came from Cuba, you know, obviously he was like so like against that because yeah. why would he come to the United States? Of course, he had better opportunities here. Yeah. So it was interesting that that whole dynamic too. That was kind of like. I was like, wow. No. Yeah, she she said something about checking off a box on a voting card because of her like great uncle or grandfather or some shit. That mm -hmm. it was like it wasn't a mistake, but she didn't realize back then. Back then, cause remember she was born I think 1911. So back in like the 20s, 30s, it was okay to be a communist. It was like like being another like a Republican or some shit. Until it was only it wasn't okay until after World War II. That's when shit fucking got crazy. So you look at a communist, you're a traitor <laughs> after World War II. That's interesting, so, man. Yeah, she yeah. really didn't like like think anything of it back in like to her when she was like 18, 19 years old. But you know how like fucking publicity to try and get you any way they can. If you're a big celebrity, they try and bring you down. You know all that fucking tabloid shit and, and whatnot. But yeah. uh, I also think that I didn't realize that Nicole Kidman until my friend pointed out to me. She was like, yeah, Nicole Kidman was great as Lucy, but I think her both of her Botox, Botox injections were fucking up a little bit because her her face looked a little stiff. I was like, yeah, her face did look a little puffy. I said, I thought that was just intentional, though. I didn't realize that was because of old Nicole Kidman's Botox. Yeah, I mean, I thought she was good. I mean, I don't, I know there's talk about her, you know, being nominated or winning or you know being up there for an Oscar for Best Actress. I, I still have to give it, give that to Lady Gaga after seeing House of Gucci. But um, of, if anyone deserves to be nominated for an Oscar in this movie, I think it's J.K. Simmons, man. I, I think, think so, I, too. <laughs> I, I think he should get, like, yeah. nominated for, like, Best Supporting Actor in this movie, yeah. too, because he was, like, he was spot on to me, man. He really yeah, was, too. Yeah, I, I think he should, man. He really should. I mean, don't get me wrong. Desi Arnaz, Javier Bartem as, as uh, Desi Arnaz, he sounded the part, but he looked a little too, like, husky for Desi Arnaz. Like, he, if he dropped a little bit of weight, maybe, but he, he was a little too little chunky. Yeah, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't really feeling him, dude. I really yeah. wasn't. He's all right. I mean, uh, the one who played Vivian Vance, she was really good, though. She was. Uh, she looked like Ethel a little bit in the face. She was pretty yeah. good. But other than that, it was enjoyable, folks. So it's on Amazon Prime Video. If you don't want to go to the theaters to see it, if you have a Amazon Prime membership, you can watch it there. It's, I think it was a pretty good, uh, pretty decent movie. Um, other than that, before we get into The Matrix, we want to talk about Hawkeye because we both finished the finale and holy shit. <laughs> That's all I could say. Holy Hawkeye. Shit. Yeah, Hawkeye was a uh, man. You know, I, I really, I really undermined Hawkeye. Like yeah. Hawkeye to me was like when I, I when I saw the like the upcoming Marvel MCU shows coming out. Hawkeye to me was kind of like a yeah whatever Hawkeye you know like ah, whatever I get it yeah. kind of like uh just blew it under the table type of thing but man when I saw this show, when I finished watching it I was like wow Hawkeye to me was so far number one best MCU show I've seen so far absolutely positively I, I really when it first came out and I, I did my review on this and it'll drop in a couple of days on my on the channel but I said in my review, I was like, holy shit, I did not think we needed a Hawkeye show. I didn't think there was any need for it. No, not necessary at all. But it was kind of like, like you know, the, in the Dark Knight, man. Remember, it's like, you know, he's the hero that Gotham needs and doesn't deserve right now. It's like, it's like we needed it. And we yeah. didn't know we needed it until we got it. And it's like, all right, you can stay. <laughs> because yeah. um, it, it was, it felt like to me an extension of the... And I, I don't want to say, oh, fuck it, we're going to spoil everything. This is a spoiler podcast, folks. It kind of felt like an extension of the Daredevil Netflix series, in a, in a sense, didn't it? Because of what happened and transpired a little. 
It did actually. It really like the way the way Hawkeye was done. It kind of like, I mean, for me, the best Netflix of the Marvel series to me was absolutely Daredevil, and it felt yeah. like yeah, it definitely felt like an extension of that. It was cool. I mean, it started off a little slow, but once you got to like the second, I like the third episode. Remember that that crazy chase sequence with when Kate and. Uh, Clint were in the fucking car and they were shooting those crazy cool random arrows at the at the villains and they were blowing up and turning into fucking Ant-Man arrows and shit and I was like, yeah, yeah. this is this is fucking cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what you know what I liked about uh, Hawkeye too, man. They they really try to tie things in too. Like I feel like some of the other shows. I mean, maybe I have to watch some of the other shows again. But the other shows, they kind of like uh, they kind of left me like a little bit with uh, more desire of a taste in my mouth. Like I was like, ah, oh, yeah. you know. Kind of wanted more i was like, kind of thinking i was gonna like low-key and some other shows i uh, especially wandavision i thought i was gonna get more than what they gave you know yeah absolutely With hawkeye they, they gave me way more than i even thought yeah. i was like i had no idea they were going that far man i was i didn't think they were going to go that distance but for your to your point man wandavision started off very strong the first like half of that season i was in it dude and then they just shit the bed in the end they try and throw fucking shit at us and take it away like quicksilver they gave us quicksilver back they took it away Mm-hmm. Uh, Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier started off strong. I wasn't feeling the villains. The end of the, it got way too political toward the end. It just felt like it was a plug for Captain America Four, as you know, as Falcon, and they shit all over fucking Bucky, Winter Soldier, and that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loki ended weird, dude. Loki was cool until the end when I don't know if you remember with with um I forget the villain's name, but the whatever the fucking villain's name was at the end of the the se- the season, like he was like a watered down, like pop fizzle type of villain. Like, you know, he wasn't anything big that they were building up towards. Mm-hmm. Um and Hawkeye though, that fucking villain at the end, it's like, dude, like, ooh. Oh yeah. baby, <laughs> folks! If you haven't seen the sh- the, the show Daredevil, Punisher, or any of the uh, most of the uh, actually really just Daredevil, really to be yeah. honest with you, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen Daredevil on Netflix, you're probably not going to appreciate Hawkeye, and you're not going to appreciate well, you're not going to appreciate uh, an aspect of Spider-Man: uh, No Way Home. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, watch Daredevil. Daredevil is definitely one of the best shows out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially the first two seasons of Daredevil. Three is good. Like it's it's good as a whole, but the first two seasons are like phenomenal, exceptional. Um, Hawkeye. Reason we're saying this is that yeah, they they bring back. Uh, well, yeah, at the end of that se- episode five, the big reveal of Hawkeye is that Kingpin is still around, controlling the city and, and pulling the strings behind the scenes from Daredevil. And then episode six, dude, he just just. He's in it from start to finish, and he does some crazy shit in that last episode, like insane shit. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I would have to give Hawkeye in perfect. I'm gonna say perfect score, but eight out of ten. I give it an eight out yeah. of ten. Solid. It's, eight it's out a 10. really great show. I want to go higher, but I'll give it with the eight just to respect it because it did have a little bit of down moments in the beginning. Uh, I, I, you know, it was a little bit. It was a slow burn in the beginning, and then like I really love the the girl, the character that they got to play, the actress. I think her name is Haley Steinfeld. I think who who played Kate Bishop. She was fucking awesome. She had such a cool personality, and she was meshing well with uh, Jeremy Renner as as Clint, Clint Barr and Hawkeye, and that shit was yeah, awesome. She was, it was, she great. was good, man. And actually, this show even made me appreciate Black Widow the movie. You know, yeah. Before the Black Widow movie, I was—I mean, before the show, I wasn't really crazy about the Black Widow movie. Now, yeah. I can kind of go back and be like, ah, you know what? The Black Widow movie served a purpose now. You know? It does serve a purpose. I'm still not—I would never like rewatch it, but I understand why it was there. 
because they brought back folks in Hawkeye, Yelena from the Black Widow movie, who's uh, Natasha, um, Natasha's sister. Sister, yeah. And she was fucking badass, and she's funny too. She's a she's another cool chick who's just yeah. you know, she's funny. She's a cool personality, like. And it's so rare for like Disney to give us in this day and age with all the political climate that we're in such likable female characters, and they've delivered in Hawkeye. Uh, they they gave us two really likable female characters, and I'm like, all right, I'm in it, and. Uh, what I really enjoyed too, man. Remember that fight in the end with Kingpin versus Kate and that in the, the whatever shop, the electronic store or whatever? Mm-hmm. That was cool to me. They they really didn't show Kate Bishop, even though she she did get the upper hand in the end. He was beating the shit out of her, dude. Like he fucking I don't know how she survived half those punches. Yeah, he was. He was, he was beating her up, what are you, dude. What are your thoughts on the ending, dude? You think I am I don't think Kingpin is dead, dude. Oh like, nah. Nah, he but, fucking popped that chick. He popped a cap in that chick's butt. But the, <laughs> he had to. But the way like it ended, you're like, all right, did they just take out Kingpin? Like, but it wouldn't make sense. Like, why would you just bring him back? Just to, uh, like take him out so fast, you know? I mean, dude, I'm gonna put this in Star Wars terms so you can understand it. Do you remember that part in uh, in Revenge of the Sith when Palpatine was talking to Anakin? Like, they need you, Anakin, more than you know. Yeah, they need you, Kingpin, more than you know. So he's not going anywhere, dude. They need him. They fucking need him. He's not going. Cause why do you think they panned away from the camera? They like panned away. They they moved it up, and then you heard the shot. He mm-hmm. grabbed that gun and he fucking he laid it into that girl. I'm telling you, she's dead. <laughs> that Maya chick is dead. Didn't see it coming. But well, aren't they? I, aren't they doing like a spinoff that uh, show called Echo now, which is like a spinoff of that chick? Well, maybe she'll have a prequel or something to show how she got that way. Because I don't think I she should. If they killed off Kingpin, dude, that is very foolish of them. Because you don't kill off a fucking lovable, loved character like that. That's a loved villain, you know? No, I mean, like, honestly, you know, in the comic books, I remember Kingpin being a big part of the Spider-Man universe. So you oh. you got to find a way to integrate him with Spider-Man yeah. and, and have That's Spider-Man true. work with Hawkeye. Yeah. Oh, man, there's just so it, much it, It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy, dude, because you're absolutely right. Because they need to have Daredevil, Kingpin, Punisher, Spider-Man, all within the same thing because they're in the same city their 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 city is new york city so they got mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. have to but yeah so if you haven't seen it yet uh highly highly recommend hawkeye it's on disney plus now the, it finally wrapped it's only six episodes you could kill it in probably a good weekend and yeah it's really good really good really good and it's a good christmas christmas show yeah it is it ended with a nice little the finale had it in the christmas tree in rockefeller center mm-hmm. um i don't know how they well that had to be cgi dude when that tree came down that had to be fucking cgi because I, I don't think they would let them t- <laughs> that shoe had to be fucking generated or whatever because when that tree came down in that episode i was like damn i was yeah. like but yeah no it's a cool cool uh show and with that being said, we're going to move into the big meat of this uh, episode, talking about the Matrix Resurrections, folks. And then we're going to rank our ma- uh, Matrix movies in the end. So, what? Did, okay, so we both... All right, here's, here's the thing. We both were supposed to see this in IMAX, right? Um, a few days ago. A couple days ago. And it was a very late showing. Um, so we made the executive decision to just cancel the tickets and watch it on HBO Max. And we are... Very happy we made that decision, right? Because we wouldn't have made it. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is this is a, one of those movies where you're gonna have to pause, rewind, yeah, pause, rewind. Um, yeah, it was a very late show. We had just finished eating a big meal and yeah. we were gonna pass out. Seeing this movie, it was like it was the movie was gonna start around eleven o'clock. 
wasn't going to happen. It was a two and a half hour movie, folks. Uh, you know, and if we would have nodded off, you know, during the movie, and it's literally one of those movies where they had a lot of scenes where if you blink, if you missed it, if you blink, you missed it. And it was a lot of fucking moments like that. We would never made it. We wouldn't made it past the first act. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. But um, no, I'm glad we, we got to watch it on HBO though. At least uh, to, to my delightly surprise, delightful surprise, I really ended up enjoying the movie a lot more than I thought I was. I was terrified, dude, because you kept sending me those reviews, and I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> those torn reviews. Yeah, you know? uh, same here, man. I mean, I, I I read the reviews. You know, I, I like to just see the reviews, just kind of get a get a gauge. I'm not really like. I don't. For me, the the reviews don't always make and break, but I just like to get a gauge of what people are like yeah. saying, you know, just kind of get a feel. Naturally. And and um, I was like, because I'll be honest, I was really excited about this movie, man. I'm a big Matrix fan. I'm a big fan of the whole lore. And yeah. I was uh, I was pleasantly surprised too, man. I yeah. watched this movie and I enjoyed it. I, I got to say, I enjoyed it. I um, I enjoyed it more than I thought it was. Yeah, I, I would even go out on a limb here, folks, and say I enjoyed The Matrix Resurrections more than The Matrix Reloaded. Not, It's not going to hold a candle to the original. Calm down. Don't don't light your fucking uh, torches yet. Uh, the first Matrix will always be king. Uh, but it, it literally superseded Reloaded to me because it, it felt like a reincarnation almost of the greatest hits from like the first movie and the third movie with leaving the second movie out a little bit. Which, am I, am I right there or wrong? Because I, I kind of felt like it had a little bit of revolutions, a little bit of the original Matrix, and then it was a little bit of its own thing, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, for, for for me, folks, honestly, it was, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be better than the original, but yep. it's definitely better. Yeah, it's better than Reloaded. I don't have it better than Revolutions. I, no. still, have Revo- I still have Revolutions number two. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going to comfortably put Re- Resurrections number three. Yeah, no, if I had to rank all of them right now, i got my list in front of me, I'll go like, because I'm going to include the Animatrix, so I'm going to go Animatrix number five, Matrix Reloaded four, uh, the Matrix Resurrections three, uh, Matrix Revolutions two, and then, of course, the original Matrix as number one. So, yeah, um, yeah that's got the it. rankings. Uh, but we're going to break down this movie from start to finish because we have some questions that hopefully we can answer as we talk it through. Um, for ourselves and for you folks out there who are listening. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, we'll start off from the beginning, right? So, the beginning of the movie is a little bit, little bit um, like, perplexing a little bit, right? Because it kind of starts like the, a parallel to the first Matrix with, um, with the first opening scene with Trinity, right? And Agents, Agent Smith. Yeah. It, the, the beginning of the movie, it's, it's weird. Like, it's weird in the sense that it's a simulation within a simulation. Yeah. And I think that's where some people, you're either going to be on one side of the fence, you're going to hate that, or you're going to love it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. It's uh, because it's crazy too, because the whole plot revolves around like Neo being resurrected. That's what, huh? Matrix resurrections resurrected by the machines, put back into the a new version of the matrix. And he's forced to be a, <laughs> A video game developer for Warner Brothers making their original Matrix trilogy. And in the opening sequence, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, they have Agent Smith. And one of the Agent Smiths, Agent Smith is played by Morpheus, the, a new, the new character new actor who's playing Morpheus. And he wrote that character in that way to try and break free of that, that code, Agent Smith. And then 
have become have become Morpheus because he has all these memories inside of him that's like mm-hmm. of Morpheus. So that he's just writing it as he's remembering it, and um, that's how the game plays out. And it translates into this reality of the Matrix, and that's where Neo Neo um, Neo starts to realize that he's not just he's something he's he's being trapped. He's trapped pretty much, and it's just he's trying to get get out of that whole sequence. Right? That's is that what that's what's going on? Is that how you interpreted it too? Yeah, he's basically like on a treadmill that never ends. That's basically yeah. what it is. He's just Legit. running, never ending, in a loop, and he it's crazy because he gets plugged back into the matrix and he is to believe that he lost his mind. He tried to commit suicide. He tried to kill himself. So his boss, who happens to be a, a entity of Smith, right. Is his boss. And he's letting him like, he's telling him that he needs therapy and he's sending him to, to see a therapist. Yeah. And the therapist is just like telling him like, Hey man, you're just imagining all this stuff. This is all your dreams. Giving him the blue pills, and he's just yep, nonstop he's popping the blue it. pills. He's taking and it. it's just, and he's just like stuck. And but you could tell he's like distraught because he's like, damn, why do I keep having yeah. flashbacks? Flashbacks, uh, I, memories, dreams. He memories, sees dreams. Trinity in the coffee shop that he he recognizes her. Which um, his his flashbacks and dreams is what made him create this Matrix trilogy video game. Right. Which is like, it's kind of bizarre. It's like, it's kind of like like what the fuck yeah it's like the first act folks is very bizarre but once you get past that first 30 35 minutes it's just the rabbit hole just goes deeper and deeper and it's so intricate the whole like advancements they make with the machines right now that they can phase between both the matrix and realities by like portals and then you got fucking they can like become like like nanotechnology and in the in the real world and shit it's fucking crazy um Mm -hmm. and it's really cool too because they have like their their residual self images, like how they view themselves, like Neo and Trinity. They don't look how they do, right? They they look like totally different people, right? Yeah, they're totally they're totally different people. They're coded. I mean, they see themselves as as themselves, right? But the way other people see them, they're completely different people. Totally different. Yeah. So they've been people have been searching for Neo. People have been searching for Thomas Anderson, but they're not able to find him because he doesn't look like Neo yeah. anymore. So and, and that's why they got this new cool character. Her name is Bugs, and she like kind of is one of the captains of this new ship. And their her her crew is like sniffing out, but with the with this this Morpheus program that he created, they're trying to sniff out, um, you know, Neo and and trying to find him. And then they do find him, and he's he's put back, of course, into the pod again. They they take him out of the pod, so it's like a re- recreation of the first Matrix movie in a sense. Mm-hmm. After they find him, they they take him out of the pod. And then they tell him everything that fucking went down, like everything. And um, he's just like, so everything. And, and dude, he was saying it like I was thinking it, how the audience was thinking it. Like he said, so you're telling me all I did in Machine City, all this shit, it was for nothing. Like, why the fuck am I here again? Like if everything got reset, there was no peace. And like, no, you don't understand. There was peace. It, and then how much time, dude, it was like 60 years past, right? Like 60 fucking years of peace. They had. No, he like, I mean, like. Yeah, you're kind of like when you when you when he says that you're like fuck yeah. What the, then what the fuck was yeah. the point of reloaded revolution? But then yeah. when you see they go back to Machine City, which by the way you see Niobe, she's now a general. Yeah, um, which was pretty cool. That was awesome. you, you you see then what Neo did was was big. He advanced that civilization. He advanced yeah. it so that they can actually um, integrate with the machines. Where yeah, the machines can kind of like they kind of like 
it kind of formed a, a bond in a sense. A symbiote relationship, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A symbiosis, which was pretty cool. And it was kind of tragic too, man, in a sense, because I, I think they have an opportunity, man, I don't know about you, to make a Matrix television series now to showcase the gap between what happened at the end of Revolutions to now. Because it wasn't the city they went back to, folks. It wasn't Zion. It was some other city called Io or some shit. Io, yeah. And it was because there was a there was a, um, a, a like a, a split. Um, the people of Zion like were starting to split because they, they wanted to remain in the past and more led by Morpheus because Morpheus was in charge after the after the the war, and he had his like ideals and shit. And it, between that and his hubris, it led to his demise because right man, they, Niobe was like going through the whole shrine and everything. They had a shrine of Morpheus because like he's he met his demise at Zion because he refused to evolve. And Niobe was like, look, we got to start working with these sentients, with these machines in order to like live. You can't be like living in the past because we can't grow and in this city. We need to like do things differently. Like they're growing their own food now and shit. It was pretty cool, man. I, I really thought that was awesome. That was really yeah, it was, nice. It was cool. But, I, um, yeah, like, I mean, for me, it was like, I, I got it, you know, like I, yeah. I get it. Some people, they were just kind of like, and you know what I know? You know what I, I noticed? A lot of people that were bashing this movie, man, they were like, it was almost like they were like saying, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like, it's not like the old Matrix and everything. But it's like, if you remember, they said, like, there's always going to be new versions of the Matrix. Yes. Like, like it, that, absolutely. The, end, the ending of Revolution was never going to be the end. Like, it was like, yeah. okay, Neo saved the world, and that's it. Everything is going to go back to, go to like, shit. Even the fucking architect, dude, at the end of Revolutions, he was like, you know, we're just going to rebuild another version of the Matrix. He said, you know, this peace won't last. That was like a foreshadow. Like, it's yeah. not going to last. So they had their 60 years of peace. And then they fucking just were like, yeah, they were like, that you now it's time again to like, now there wasn't a war in this movie brewing. It was just kind of like trying to get Neo and Trinity back together. Now, the deviousness of the plot, there's a big plot twist, folks. People think that from the trailers or whatever, that Agent Smith is the main antagonist here. No. That is absolutely not the case. The main antagonist, folks, is the analyst. Now, the analyst is played by Doogie Hauser, who happens to be the therapist, who, Neo's therapist. Mm -hmm. Now, the reason that the analyst is suppressing Neo and Trinity from hooking up is because he is doing that because he's making them come close, but no cigar. Because by doing that, by having their energies come super, super close, and never connecting it has such a high energy output they generate so much energy from their pods to supply to the machines in machine city that it he said his fucking analyst report and his fucking productivity report for every year has gone up 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 ever since he created this version of the matrix with that process in it so that was the fucking crazy fucked up reason why he created a new major he said and he was responsible for resurrecting neo and bringing trinity back to life because he said, and the machines were against it. They were like, no, nah, just let them die. Like, don't fucking, he's like, no. He goes, we are going to revive them, resurrect them, and make them fucking in this new version of the Matrix because we are going to use them because these, if this one is the one, the one between the one and the one he loves is going to output and produce all the energy we're ever going to fucking need and you just let me try this version. And they were like, all right, fuck it. And it happened to work. So that is the devious plot. It's a very, build. get me wrong, folks. It's such a complex fucking plot. It took me many <clears throat> rewind sessions to fucking figure this shit out. So, uh, Jay, if you have any other questions toward that, let me know if I'm right or wrong or <clears throat> you have any anything to add to that. Go ahead. No, yeah, no, yeah it was, um, yeah, again, like, you know, piggybacking off of that, I, I definitely could see why a lot of people hated it because 
you know, it's like you watch a movie and you kind of expect to like for it to just make sense right off the back. But this movie, it didn't. But if you kind of dissect it, watch it a little bit, maybe pause, rewind, go back, you know, you yeah. can kind of start to dissect the movie a little bit. Um, my only questions were like, like the whole Morpheus thing still bugs me out, dude. Like it was like, it's so bugged, like how he was Agent Smith, but he's Morpheus. He created Morpheus as Agent Smith in this modal. Yeah. And uh, then he like, he, th th that was all I think, like I said, man, earlier, it was a plan. Like he did that because he wasn't sure, like he had these memories of the old Morpheus, right? So he didn't know how to apply that in the video game. So at first he applied it as Smith. Then he was like, all right. Then he had like these dreams and visions that he thought they were just dreams, but they were actually things that actually transpired. He's like, he's going to make it a way where Morpheus can like escape that persona, that, that role of Smith. And he did with the help of actually that Bugs character because she kind of gave him a little bit of a jolt. And then he was like, remember, he was like, my name is Morpheus or whatever. And then he's mm -hmm. like, he remembered who he was. And, you know, that was just Neo creating that personification of the Morpheus he once knew. Same thing he did with Trinity. Like in the opening sequence, that version of Trinity was like from what he knew her to be from his memories. And, and you know, just trying to translating that to that video game. And it was pretty trippy, man. It was really, really trippy. Again, folks, you must be open-minded. You must go into this movie with not only an open mind, but patience. All I can say is just patience, because a little bit of patience will go a long way here. It, the payoff is really worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, so. it was... Um, uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't as bad as I thought. Could it have been better? Yes, it could have been better, especially being that it's been over like what it's been about twenty years since we yeah. had the pre. You know what I mean? So I feel like if they had so much time, I feel like this could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing them continue on with the series. Yeah, I absolutely. Don't, I I don't see this going into sequel movies, especially. Nah, in, nah, I, dude. Now, dude, it, it cost two hundred million dollars to make this movie, dude. Twenty million dollars more than Spider-Man: No Way Home. It bare, it didn't even break twenty million this weekend, man. It did not even break twenty million, which is yeah, terrifying. No, I mean, it, I mean, this movie absolutely bombed the, yeah. the box office. It bombed. It, I mean, they totally shot themselves in the foot. Yep. They released it a week after Spider-Man. Um, it's on HBO Max. Yeah. You have all the bad reviews, so I mean, yeah. they 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 kind of shot themselves in the foot with this, but it's the perfect storm, dude. To your point, yeah. that you got you're going up against the King Spider-Man No Way Home. It's on HBO Max as well. There's a pan, there's another spike in a in a variant of, a, of the pandemic of the coronavirus that's still going around. And to top it off, it's getting crushed in the reviews because you got a bunch of fucking crazy, stupid man babies out there who are crying, dropping low scores, but not understanding a lot about this movie they're just going oh, it sucks dude. this isn't like my matrix well you know they're just crying about it because they don't want they don't like change they just want rehashes but then guess what when you get rehashes of the originals they're going to complain that oh it's just like a one for one like star wars the force awakens was it's like you know you can't win <laughs> you just can't yeah but, i mean like, like i said like the people that are complaining that it wasn't like the old matrix is like but it's not supposed to like that's yeah and they even told you that in the original matrix they told you like shit was going to upgrade and, and yeah. Well, I'm gonna change. So I'm, I, I liked it. I liked it. It was. It was for me. It was good. I appreciated it for what it was. It was cool seeing like how, how, the Matrix kind of like how the crew from that world of Ion, Io 
going into the matrix, how they all their technology has upgraded, yeah. how they now bring in AI and they have these robots working for them and all that. that it was, was cool. That it was, what was cool too, man, was when they got into the matrix and they were like, when they were explaining why there's not so many agents anymore, they use fucking swarms now, those bots. That was fucking awesome, dude, where anybody could be like a part of the matrix now, like, like use them as their like surrogates. So uh, basically, folks, it's like pretty much like robot zombies because they were like, if uh, remember that train scene, man, when they were on the train with Neo? And then, like, they were, like, detected them. There was no ages, man. They just, the, the bots. So all the, the recipients of the on the train, all the residents, their eyes turned, like, the Matrix code, and they just went, like, fucking zombies, like, to just try and kill all the, they called them exiles. So all the exiles and shit, people who didn't belong. And the end of the movie, man, that final act, dude, that shit was insane. When they were, like, dropping out of the buildings, they were kamikazeing, like, fucking just yeah. turn them into bombs and shit. I was like, yo, this is fucking cool. And that one part where... The car was driving toward Neo and Trinity on the motorcycle, and he fucking he used his power to flatten the front the front of the car, and they drove up that shit like a ramp. I was like, yo, that shit was fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that was crazy. Really cool. man. That was cool. That was I mean, I, I really like this movie. <laughs> Sorry, I just really did. No, I, I, I liked it too, man. I liked. It. I mean, the ending, I kind of figured. I mean, we we both were when we were kind of like talking about our theories about it. We kind of knew that Trinity was gonna. We either thought she was either going to be the one or she was just going to be, there was going to be something about Trinity in this movie. Yeah, and it turned out to be true. It was, and that was cool too. And, and I think to your earlier point, you had asked me, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, you said, how did Trinity get to, to have the powers? In the end of the movie, folks, they're on the rooftop. They Neo can't fly yet. He hasn't relearned the ability to fly yet, which is cool. I'm glad they suppressed that because in Matrix Reloaded, it made it feel like he was invincible. Like he was just flying, everything was whatever. So now they jumped off the roof and then Trinity was the one to carry Neo and fly and then fly away. But the reason for that, in my opinion, is that they their connection, their love and their bond. He, he transferred his powers of the one to her because they had like a I'll call it a Star Wars force bond. They had such a bond that they now share that power of the one. And the end of the movie was fucking cool, dude. They're in the trench coats, the sunglasses. They go visit the fucking analyst. They kick his ass and then they take off to recreate the Matrix a little bit. But I have one question too, man. I mean, I, I kind of tried to answer it the other day, but I really want to know what is Agent Smith's deal, though. Like, I kind of am trying to interpret. Yeah, it, that was but it's my, a little that confusing was, to me. That was my my confusion too, man. Because like, like in the movie, he helps Neo. Like, yeah. he's like, like he helps him. He actually helps him. Which yeah, is like he does. Bizarre. Like, and he's like, this is where our like, because there's one point in the movie, folks, toward the, when you're entering the final act. The analyst has all these bots surrounding Neo, and he was like, let me just try and convince Trinity, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't go right. It was wrong for him. And then, like, he has a gun to his head. Like, Neo has a gun to his head. And then the analyst is like, whatever, goodbye. And then Smith shows up, kicks the analyst's ass, allows them to escape. And then he's like, after it's all said and done, Smith is like to Neo, you know, this is where our alliance ends. And I'm like, alliance? And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, what are your, like, the only thing I can think of, dude, is that it, it, remember when um, Smith let, I mean, Neo let Smith assimilate him at the end of Revolutions and he be, he blew him up or whatever, the mm -hmm. end of the lead of the program? I think when he he took over Neo, they had they formed some type of, uh, like some type of unity that, uh, that, that, that kind of just went beyond the Matrix that he underst they understood each other. It was kind of like a Batman Joker type thing where they need each other to survive. So he doesn't want to kill Neo because if he if he if he allows Neo to die, a part of Smith will end because now yeah. they're like they're connected because they had that unison together. Yeah. 
I, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, I'm probably could be wrong, but I, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. it was like it was what was bizarre was like the analyst had Smith. Like it was like the analyst was controlling them in the sense. So the analyst had Smith as the head CEO boss of this video game company, which I thought was pretty bizarre. It was called uh, Deus Machina. Which that was funny. the name of the fucking <laughs> robot god that yeah. you know goes to sea and makes yeah. revolutions. Deus Machina. So that's the name of the company, Deus Machina. <laughs> so it's like when you when you when you like when you try to like you know break it down, you're like, okay, so Deus Machina had the analysts fucking control everything. Yeah, he had them all kind of like set in like these little like chess pieces. He right. had fucking Agent Smith as the fucking CEO of the company. So he had Neo Thomas Anderson working under fucking smith and he had fucking trinity tiffany being like kind of like within that proximity yeah but she was kind of like she was married and she was like with her own family so it was kind of it was bizarre to to that point dude i mean it's your point i mean i you have to think did the analyst ever think by suppressing smith in that role it was always a risk that if he ever connected or neo ever found out who he was Smith would wake up and then shit would go fucking tits up. He he had to think that that was a factor, a risk factor to take. I guess he just decided the the reward was you know worth the risk. So I don't know. It was very perplexing. But that is my only real like issue issue with the movie. Besides it being a little bit too like overly complex. But that is what the, again that's what the Matrix is all about, folks. If you're in for a thinking man's movie, this is the movie for you because it's not just a straight shooter. To Jay Reverend's point earlier, it's not a movie where you're just going to go in, they're going to explain everything to you, and you're going to walk out. There's going to be a lot of nuances here and a lot of caveats where you're going to have to use your old noggin to figure it out like we are now. So, mm-hmm. And it, it might require multiple re- rewatches, and that's fine because this movie, to me, has some rewatchability, which is a good thing. So, It does. I mean, I liked it, man. I mean, honestly, yeah. for me, it's a... Uh... It's a solid movie, man. Like it's, you know, yeah. I if I had to score it, dude, for me, it's a, I, I'd give it a seven point five. I'm gonna give it a yeah. seven point five out of ten. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna be, you know, it's for me, it's slightly above. I have it above Matrix Reloaded, but I have it just below Matrix. It's right Reloaded. in between. It's yeah, right uh, in between. On my review, which is gonna drop uh, probably tomorrow on my on the channel of, of Resurrection, I gave it an eight. I said it's a great movie. I gave it the same score as I gave uh, Re- Revolutions, but I would put Revolutions higher on the totem pole just because I felt that Revolutions, kind of the way it ended and it wrapped up, it kind of was ended up neatly and and tightly into a nice bundled package where everything kind of it kind of met its finality and conclusion mm-hmm. properly. Here in this movie, it ended the way it ended. It kind of felt like they was open for more because the the way it ended, they were like, all right, we're gonna go fucking clean up this matrix or whatever and we're gonna make yeah. it i don't think there's a need for another one i don't think there will be another one because of the way a the way it performed and b i just don't think there really is a uh, I mean, there is a need for a television series because there's a fucking 60 year gap between revolutions and resurrection so they need to fill in a lot of those missing yeah, they could, pieces they, they could you know? do that yeah the yeah. ending was was a little weird it was like they were like talking about okay we're gonna make our own matrix we're gonna fucking paint the rain uh, the sky rainbow which yeah which goes very well with the director of the movie. That's a story for another can, day. Can I really just say I'm so happy that Lana Wachowski just directed this movie and it, she didn't write it because I am so happy other people wrote this movie because if she would have wrote the movie, it would have been just like Hideo Kojima like writing 
that would have been like you would have had fucking crazy shit that if you think it was complex now oh, oh just wait folks if she would have wrote this movie <laughs> so you know what I, you know what i found out i found out like with the original major trilogy it was it was lana and her brother i don't know brother i don't know what what, what he is now but the brother Andy, i think it was at the time Andy, at the time they both did the matrix you know yeah. so in this one it was just lana like andy had nothing to do with this so right. uh, maybe is maybe... he a woman now too i don't know i don't even know are they both i have no idea dude i don't know i can't but... keep up with the lives <laughs> lives but um yeah no like i guess that man i'm just happy that she just directed she did a great job directing it but i mean i'm just happy that she didn't write it i'm glad you know why man because it felt like it was written by fans of the Matrix, like us, like just people who like tried to have something fresh yet familiar, have some type of familiarity that we can relate to, but evolving the Matrix because again, this is a newer version of the Matrix. There's no more phone boots anymore. Now there's portals. You know, there's no, there's not as many agents. Now you have bots. You know, mm-hmm. it's just really cool to see the evolution now. Now, pro- sent- there's sentience now. There's like uh, programs that can that can phase like holograms in between nanotech between the Matrix and uh, you know the real world, and they're like they're, they're phasing in and out. And I thought it was really cool. I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. Now they also have two. Remember that part, dude, at the end of the movie? Well, toward the end of the movie, when like the second act ish, when they were trying to get Trinity out of her pod, where Bugs, the the new chick with the blue hair. They were like, no, we actually don't need to have uh, Trinity take the red pill. All we need to do is transfer her consciousness into you, and I'll, and then that'll be good enough. I'm like, and then until she's like, you know, she, they use her body as a conduit. I was like, mm-hmm. yo, that shit's fucking awesome. I was like, look at the like, look at them. Like, oh, who thinks of this? I did this actually makes some type of sense. Yeah. So I'm like, if you think about it, um, no, it was it was a very smart movie, smarter than I, I give it. You know, it gets credit for. Um, not as not as smart as the first Matrix movie, but smart enough where you you stop and think. Okay, someone actually tried to put effort and thought into this writing process. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked it. It definitely needs to be watched multiple times, or just you may have to just slow it down. Not just like you know, sit through it in one viewing. Maybe just like hit the pause button, rewind. You know, I mean. There was like moments where I like literally wasn't even paying attention. I blinked too fast or I yeah. looked away and I missed something within a like a, a fraction of a second. And yeah, my right, right. fiance my fiance had to tell me she had to be like, Did you see that? And I was like, What? It was just like things and like, you know, reflections or mirrors or things like that. Yeah, so, no, it, um, a lot of blinking and misses stuff, folks. So if you can watch it on HBO Max, you have another twenty one days or twenty five days to do so um, before it's gone. Yeah, so, if, if you're yeah. wondering, should I go to see this in the movie theaters, HBO Max? I'm going to go ahead and say, you know what? Go see it on, H- see it on HBO Max. It's just you need it, it's just much more comfortable. Don't go to the movie theaters. Just see it on HBO Max. Yeah, there's no point. I mean, unless you like really – because if you go see it in movie theaters, all right, let's say you do the IMAX experience like we were going to. You're going to get that really cool IMAX experience. But if you look away or you sneeze or something happens, you know, you're know, you going to miss critical – parts of the movie and you can't even get up to go take a piss if you need mm-hmm. to because you will be totally lost by the time you return to your seat i can almost guarantee that so yeah, yeah. i mean i I'm, I'm all about going to the movie theaters and supporting a movie but you know what they kind of shot themselves in the foot they released hbo max if it's available hbo max you have the option see it on hbo max folks yeah absolutely 
Um, yep. Yeah, with that being said, so that is our breakdown from start to finish of all the Matrix movies. We rank and scored, uh, ranked all of them, scored the uh, Matrix Resurrections. See it. I, I highly rec- We highly recommend seeing it. Uh, it's, it's a good ride from start to finish. It, it Don't listen to the critics, those scores on Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes. Just you know, go watch it and formulate your own opinion. That's pretty much all I can say. That's my advice. So that's my advice too. It's uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like it, it kind of got like harsh bash reviews. Like, I mean, yeah. I saw reviews like at threes and fours and I think that's absurd. Um, no. was it a, was it a great movie? No. But was it a bad movie? No, it's, it was a solid it's, movie. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good movie. You know, it's, it's a good movie. It's yeah. not the best matrix movie, no. but it's a, I enjoyed it as a matrix yeah. fan. I, I enjoyed it and it was, it was cool to see the matrix come back. Yeah, it was. I, I can highly agree to that, and will I can safely endorse this movie as well. So, yeah, absolutely. But, yep, so, uh, yeah, with that being said, that is our little take, or a lot of take, on this movie, as, long as, as well as Hawkeye, and that being the Ricardo's movie. I would love to talk about video games, folks, but the only video game I've really had time to play is Halo Infinite. I'm still chipping away at that. And, yeah, that's that's a that's a work in progress. That's another story for another podcast another day. So yeah, that, that sure is. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, folks, we hope you have a happy holiday season, a happy, safe, and healthy new year, and uh, we will probably catch everyone in the new year. That'll be our next podcast. Yeah, happy, happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you guys are, uh, you know, enjoying the holidays. All right, and we'll catch everybody next time. Thanks as always for stopping by. Take care.